Ahoy, Mrs. F1. Hello, Mr. F1. How are you? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing good. Guys, we are back from the motherland of motorsport, <laughs> which is Italia. Italia. I'm going to talk with all my hands now because we're back from Italy. Um, yeah, thank you all for being so patient with us. First of all, we just disappeared into the night for like three straight weeks. We did. <laughs> In addition to all of our Italian adventures, we're also in the midst of a pretty major move. So <laughs> if we could add any more chaos to our life, I, I don't think it's actually humanly possible. It's been stressful to say the least. Just a little stressful, but Italy helped, right? It sure did. How much fun was it? Oh my gosh, it was the trip of a lifetime. So much fun. We traveled all over Italy, started in Venice, went to Florence, went to uh, Positano, Tropea, Castle Mazzano, and ended in the beautiful city of Rome. Um, I just have to say, like, everyone was so nice, um, just willing to share their homes, their culture with us. And I ate some of the best food I've ever eaten in my life. Yes. Delicious. So anyways, we are back and we are ready. We See. are ready. We missed Formula One, right? Was it weird? I, I felt weird being on vacation and like not watching the races. I thought it was weird that we left the United States and F1 came to the United States <laughs> it was as like we were we, leaving. I know. The Austin GP happened while we were gone. The Mexico Sad. GP happened. Just a lot went on and it was weird not watching the races. It was like an impulse I had to fight not to like figure out a way to watch. Um, but I think we both needed just like a break and needed to enjoy life a little bit. Yes. Um, so yeah, it was weird not watching, but we're excited to be back. We're excited to be talking uh, more about F1. We're going to just talk a little bit about the races we missed, but we won't focus on that too much in this episode because we know you guys have probably already seen them. It's super old news to you. Old news. Old news. But let's start off with um, some little F1 news since obviously no race this weekend. Um, F1 was in Vegas. They were. They were under the bright lights of the Vegas Strip. Uh, at Lewis the... was doing donuts on the Vegas Strip. Yes. Pretty the... sweet. Yeah, the Vegas GP launch party is what F1 was calling it. Basically, a couple of drivers were there. Like you mentioned, Lewis, George, Sergio, and Alex Albon were all there to celebrate, I guess you could say. Um, and all the media was there, and it looked like a fun freaking time. Also, we need to petition F1 to allow those neon lights under the car to be like a permanent thing. I know that probably throws off weight distribution, but the Mercedes looked awesome it looked epic i'm glad you brought that up it was so cool they, it was, they need to mandate that now <laughs> it was very cool they were driving up and down the strip they were doing some filming as well um for what i assume will be the commercials and stuff like that for it um but it was really cool seemed like a cool event they also had like f1 esports there and the pit stop experience not gonna lie i was a little jealous that i wasn't there it looked awesome but I'm excited for F1 in Vegas next year. Me too. I Me do too. know that the pre-sale hit the market while we were gone. And I was seeing some TikToks about this. T 
take guess how much you think just grandstand seats are just normal grandstand knowing what we paid it was probably like i don't know 2500 a ticket or something like that pretty close it was averaging around two grand a grandstand ticket yeah i'm not surprised at all by that yeah it's a little insane i don't know what standing room tickets would look like at the vegas gp and where do you stand i know (laughs) Do you stand like on the strip, like in the middle or on those bridges? On those bridges. That'd be my guess. But oh my gosh. Yeah. So if you bought tickets to the Vegas GP, congrats. You are the real MVP. I know people were waiting for a while. Yeah. We are a little jealous. I'm not going to lie. I kind of want to just go to experience it. What what do you think the Vegas GP is going to be like? I don't know. It's tough to tell because we haven't seen. I mean, they have shown the track layout, but it's still tough to know what it's going to be like until you see cars driving around it. So if it's a really boring race, that'll be disappointing. You know, if there's not a lot of overtaking spots or, um, or if it's like Bahrain and there's just like a straight and people, you know, it basically just all there is. Um, I, but I mean, the, the spectacle of it, I'm sure will be amazing. Imagine staying in a Vegas hotel on the strip and being able to look out your window and see F1 cars going 200 miles an hour. Yeah. Down the strip. That's got to be, that's got to be wild to say the least. Yeah. To me, now that I feel like I've been to a race, I definitely see the appeal of attending the Vegas GP. Cause let's be real. Like it's really hard to get a good picture of everything happening Mm -hmm. on during a race when you're actually there, because you're usually looking at it through a screen you can't really hear anything that they're announcing because it's so loud so you're kind of like using your phone to help you figure out what the heck's happening you see action happen on the screen but can't hear anything you can't hear team radio um and i know you can buy radios too that a lot of people listen to as well um but if you're going to a gp like there's probably no better place than to sit on the Vegas strip. Like if you're going to go to a GP, it's probably one of the best bang for your buck. I would say when it comes to just like enjoyability, I don't, I don't, I don't even know if I buy a ticket. I, I would just try and I would shell out money for a nice hotel room that overlooks it. And mm. I feel like you'd have a better view than the people sitting in the grandstands. Like you said, you're like above the race. So you could watch, more than just one corner, which, you know, as cool as our experience was at the Canadian Grand Prix, we really only saw one corner and a mm-hmm. big TV screen where the rest of the race happened. Yeah. If you're in a if you're in a penthouse Vegas hotel overlooking the race, I mean that's got to be that's got to be one of the most unreal. It kind of reminds me of Singapore, where that immaculate hotel with the infinity pool on the roof. It's got to be similar to that night race. You oversee the street circuit. I'd imagine that those two would be really similar. And Singapore is on your and I's list of of races we need to see before yeah. we die. I think that's a great before we die. Oh my god, that's so morbid. <laughs> I'm so young. I'm not even thinking about that yet. Well, it's going to cost so much money. We're probably going to have to <laughs> save up our whole lifetime just to see it. <laughs> we'll be there at like 80 years old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> being like, we've been waiting our whole yeah. life for this. <laughs> Barely being able to make it up the grandstand. Exactly. Steps. Well, no, we're going to be in that infinity pool. That's oh, point. okay. Yeah. That kind of. You think we're going to have that kind of money well, in our 80s? We're saving up. You know, that long we should have that much. Screw a retirement home. We just want GP tickets. 
I want to sit in the infinity pool at the top of that Singapore hotel and watch the race. Okay. Well, maybe we'll still be doing this podcast when that happens, but, <laughs> but I am a hundred percent with you on the whole lights on the bottom of the cars for the actual GP. Well, let's just start a petition. Yeah. Although I, the, I guess the worry is with the amount of downforce those cars produce, probably would just rip the lights right <laughs> off, you know? <laughs> let's just attach- just pop 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 and then lights <laughs> shoot out the back of the car instead of sparks we see like light yeah. tubes oh, flying out of led it. light strip fly out of the back of it <laughs> add a little bit more of a risk to the race anyways yeah. that was exciting it was cool to see a lot of the stuff mm-hmm. on instagram if you haven't seen it go check it out f1 was posting about about it all week um but again just getting the people pumped up for the Vegas GP, which is going to be, I think, one of the biggest sporting events in the United States next year, if not the biggest sporting event in the United I, States. I think you're right, babe. I think it might be the best sporting event, the biggest sporting event that's ever come to the States. Yeah. What happens in Vegas will probably not stay in Vegas that weekend, no, but be nationwide. Yes. while we were out we missed austin gp and mexico gp i mean a lot of things happened let's start with austin i heard it was quite an amazing race i'm not gonna lie people don't hate me but i did not watch it i probably will watch it in the next coming days here just so i i do it but um red bull clinched their constructors championship in austin um the yeah. last little kind of dot on the end of their season there. Um, and it was kind of also Max's real celebration for his driver's win as well. I mean, we all knew this was going to happen, yeah, but exactly. what are your thoughts on kind of how Red Bull is ending this season with these two really big take-homes? It's just impressive, um, especially in the cost cap era, to be able to pretty handily win the championship, both drivers and constructors, with everybody spending the same amount of money, you know? And I, I do think, yeah, I, I did watch a highlight of the the U.S. Grand Prix and uh, Lewis had the lead with six or seven laps to go. Yeah. You know, and, and there was, people were wondering, is, is he going to continue the streak of however many seasons straight with a win? You know, I mean, he's, he was close, but at the end of the day, that Red Bull is just, it's too good of a car. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Lewis, two straight second place results. That's phenomenal. It's, yeah. But the problem is it's not first place results, right? You know, yeah. and, and that's what he wants. And hopefully they can rebound next year. Um, they should have more wind tunnel time with, with Red, than more wind tunnel time than Red Bull, um, especially with the penalty that Red Bull got. But, you know, finishing lower down the, the constructors, they'll, they'll have more time. And it'll be interesting to see how Mercedes can respond. Um, Mm -hmm. after eight years of absolute dominance, you know, now, now Red Bull has the upper hand and can they continue and can Max become, you know, the next Seb Vettel winning four straight. Um, and can he compete with, you know, some of the other, uh, big name, the Schumachers, the Hamiltons, the, et cetera. Yeah. Um, We, we know he's a good enough driver. He's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Um, but can he get a car that's, consistently good enough to win championships yeah before we get a little deeper into that you quickly did mention like lewis finished second um which is the 
I believe the first time we have seen him on the podium this entire year. No, no, um, he's been on the podium before. This year. Really? Yes. Oh, okay. See, isn't that sad that like I'm, <laughs> I don't even remember when the last time he was on the podium. That's how long yeah. it's been. Well, he's been pretty consistent through Austin and Mexico, his best kind of like streak, I guess you could say, finishing sure. second in Austin, second in Mexico. Um, George Russell finished fifth in Austin and fourth in Mexico. So again, just bringing home great points, much needed points for that Mercedes team, but also just good consistency from both of them. And it's really showing like whatever they've been doing to that car seems mm -hmm. to be working. To the um, behoovement of Ferrari. <laughs> they are catching Ferrari fast. They are. And Ferrari may have enough points to, to clear them. I think it's a 40 point gap between Mercedes and, and Ferrari right now. Yeah. So um, where it stands right now, Ferrari is at 487 points and Mercedes at 447. Yeah. So a 40 point gap with two races left. That's going to be tough to clear for Mercedes, mm -hmm. you know, barring Ferrari DNFing one or both cars, you know, in, in the last two races. But man, it, I didn't think it was going to be this close for second place halfway through the season. It looked like it was a two horse race between Ferrari and Red Bull. And, you know, at one point it looked like Ferrari actually had a chance. And now here we are Red Bull destroying everybody and Ferrari may not even finish second. Yeah. You know, it's a pretty big fall from grace for Ferrari. And I think I've said this multiple times on the podcast, but Mattia is something's got to give. He, he is the head of that team. They've looked terrible. And in late July, he said that there's no reason that, Ferrari can't win all 10 of the last races. And <laughs> Red Bull has won every single one. Yeah. You know, Max has won all of them but one, and Checo won the other one. And, you know, here we are, them almost finishing third. At what point does the higher ups of Ferrari say, okay, you know, somebody needs to be on the chopping block? Yeah. If you would have asked me if Mercedes would be fighting with Ferrari for second in the constructors, at the beginning of the season, I would have probably laughed in your face. Yeah, especially after the first two races. Ferrari looked dominant. Yeah, they looked amazing. Charles Leclerc looked like he was on another level. Mm -hmm. And they weren't having the reliability issues. They started to have a little bit toward the mid-season. And Mercedes looked just god-awful. Like, <laughs> yeah. just god-awful. Lewis Hamilton was having probably some of the worst race performances he's ever had in his career at the beginning of the season. I think he said early on the season that this car was almost as bad as the, yes. the one McLaren car that he claimed was like the worst car he ever drove in F1. Yes. He That's did strong that. words for a guy who just finished second twice in a row. Mm -hmm. Either, you know, Mercedes really figured it out or maybe Lewis just took a little bit to get used to the mechanics of the new car. And yeah. now that he understands it, he can put in that consistency that right. it took him a bit to get to. Yeah, and we're finally seeing him match, if not, if not um outperform George, which yeah. Yeah. I I thought I would have seen at the beginning of the season, but it was the exact opposite. So um obviously it's just proof that whatever they're doing, whatever their little German mechanic minds or engineering minds are coming up with is working. Um, which doesn't surprise me at all because it's Mercedes. I mean, they always meet a challenge, they never back down from it. So um, it doesn't surprise me. I think just the time it's taken them to get there is what has surprised me. So um, 
I think that that goes, yeah, I was going to say that I think that speaks well into something that you and I talked about recently. And we want to give credit to the, um, the red flag podcast who kind of brought this up. Um, they kind of did a deep dive into spending in 2019 before the cost cap was, was introduced and Ferrari spent, or sorry, uh, Mercedes spent almost $40 million more than Red Bull spent. So Mm -hmm. you and I were talking and, and we, it, it needs to be discussed at what point do we say Mercedes dominance was due to overspending more than everyone else, hmm. right? Maybe it wasn't that their engineers, their mechanics, and you know, they were, everything was just so good. Maybe they were just spending way more than everyone else. That's a scary sign for them because if for, from here on out, spending is standardized, can they stay competitive? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And like I have had the actual numbers here. So I want to preface first before I say these, these numbers are total spending for the entire team where the cost cap this year, that money only goes to development of the car and the parts itself. So the numbers we're about to tell you are the cost for the entire team to run. That means like transportation, logistics, but the amount of this number, you can't help but think, there, a huge chunk of that has to be for the development of the vehicle. So in 2019, Mercedes topped the charts. They were they spent a total of $484 million. I'm Following, out to just think about that number. Right. Just think about it. That's a half a billion dollars. In one year. one year of F1 spending. Uh, that I feel is, that's like the GDP of a lot of countries. Yeah. I feel like I need to insert the clip here. That's on that's like money, 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 money. Yeah, that's, that's where are they getting that money? I that's crazy. Uh, great question. So yeah, yeah, Mercedes 484 million for the year of 2019 trailing closely behind them for 2019 Ferrari with 463 million total spent. And right behind them is Red Bull with 445 million. So to your point and the question that you just mentioned earlier was Mercedes only dominant because they were spending an ungodly amount of money or were they actually dominant because they were in fact the best team with the best car, the best driver and the best engineer. Well, objectively they all spent an ungodly amount of money, but, Yeah, but $40 million or 39 million, whatever that number is more than mm-hmm. Red Bull and 2019 Ferrari finished second that year. Correct. And Red Bull finished third. That was when Seb had his last year at, at uh, Red Bull, I think. Um, yeah, I believe so. We can go back. Don't quote us on that, people. Yeah, yeah. But and again, like you said, the the new numbers, uh, the cost cap now is 145 million. But again, that's only for the development of the car. That doesn't right. include salary of drivers, marketing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but it's still kind of crazy. At the end of the day, you have to, like you said, a lot of that money had to have gone towards the development of the car. Yeah. Free cost cap. If if Mercedes can't constantly outspend other teams, can they stay in contention? And yes, they're the third best car, possibly the second best car right now. They have a good car, but can they beat Red Bull? Yeah. If they're spending the same amount of money. Obviously, mm-hmm. this is just one year to go off of. It's tough to tell. But I think that we could be set up for Max dominating because... Mercedes and and Ferrari can't spend their money as efficiently as Red Bull does. Now, obviously, Red Bull broke the rules a bit. Um, 
By a smidge. Yeah. So let's get into yeah. that. That was also news that came out while we were gone as well. I mean, there was huge speculation going around that they had overseeded this Ben cap by like a lot. Some people were rumoring 5%, which is a huge amount $7 of money. Million. Yeah. But actually, in fact, it wasn't that much. Um, I think it was less than a percent. Um, I, I read after taxes, it was like a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. Which, which, and in the grand scheme of things, that's not a lot of money. No, for F1 teams, that's a little drop in the bucket. Exactly. Um, but they did get penalized. And I think a lot of people were really, really, including ourselves, I think, were waiting to see, all right, what is the FIA going to do? This mm-hmm. is the first time where the rubber meets the road. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how are we going to penalize this team? I've heard a lot of different takes on what people think about the penalty that they received. So just to recap, if you haven't seen, um, Red Bull was found guilty. Red Bull agreed. Yes, we in fact did exceed the cost cap in 2021. Um, They were fined $7 million that needs to be paid to the FIA within 30 days, which that's a pretty quick turnaround for $7 million. Um, And then they were also docked 10% wind tunnel time. And to me, that's the big kick in the gut is the wind tunnel time. I I think it's a steep punishment for a quarter of a million dollars over the cost cap. Mm -hmm. And and you and I talked about this while we were in Italy and said, you know, we hope the FIA actually makes a firm stance here and shows teams, hey, it's not okay to spend over the cost cap. Because if they just slap them on the wrist... Everyone knows next year people would spend over the cost cap and just accept the slap on the wrist to try and win. Exactly. But in my opinion, this is a steep penalty. $7 million, that's 5% of the cost cap that they had to pay in a month, which mm-hmm. I'm sure that's just chump change for them. $7 million isn't, at the end of the day, it's still $7 million. And like you said, they're already getting the least amount of wind tunnel time since they're finishing first this year. Right. But that's going to be dropped another 10%. Mm-hmm. That's going to hurt them. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see what happens next year with that limited amount of wind tunnel time. Yeah. And that wind tunnel time penalty is only for a 12 month period, um, which obviously will be a huge bulk of the development period for the car, the upcoming car for next year. Um, so yeah, Christian Horner, of course, was whining and crying about the penalty. Like I, I knew regardless of whatever they were given, yeah. he, that's he would cry about it, yep. um, saying it was just like in a demonstrous amount. And oh my gosh, wind tunnel time. You're penalizing us for winning is what he said. And I'm like, no, you're getting penalized because cheating. you cheated technically. Right. Um, right. And maybe that cheating enabled you to win this year. Mm-hmm. That's that's the whole point of this. But again, we, we, we have to keep in mind, this is about last year. And last right. year they, they won by the skin of their, well, their driver won by the skin of their teeth, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, $250,000 isn't that much money, but maybe that's like a new floor that they put in Max's car in the last race that helped them win. You know, we all know how last year ended in Abu Dhabi. Like, you know, it it, shoulda, coulda, woulda, and, and there's no way for us to know exactly where that money was spent. But as close as the championship race was last year, 250 grand could have made a difference. And I think that's why the FIA decided to be so heavy on the punishment. And like you said, I not only does that affect their development for next year's car, because I assume the, the penalty takes place right now. Mm-hmm. So they, they would be testing next year's car, but 12 months from now, they're going to be developing next year's car and that's going to be limited as well. 
Yeah. So it's going to affect two years of their car. I mean, that's yeah. a pretty big deal. Yeah. And you made a really good point too, with like their, with their win, um, that already gives them the smallest amount of wind tunnel time. So you're already subtracting from basically very little wind tunnel. So we will see how this affects them in the future. Um, if it affects them in the future, uh, but we all know these F1 teams, these engineers, these mechanics, they are smart freaking people. And when they are met with a challenge, they usually overcome it or figure a way to get around it. So, yeah. um, but yeah, interesting news that just came out while we were away. Also, like New Mexico GP happened. I mean, the highlight for me was Sergio Perez's dad. That was pretty much the only As highlight. Usual. <laughs> I Mr. mean, Mr. Perez is just the man. He literally is the mascot of Mexico. <laughs> also, get yourself a man that looks at you in the way Sergio Perez's dad looks at <laughs> Perez. <laughs> like, seriously, it's just he's so excited. I love his enthusiasm. But that race itself was probably for me the most boring race of the entire season. Yeah, it wasn't that great. Max destroyed everybody. And I don't think that was a surprise anyway. They always do well in Mexico because of the altitude. Right. Um, Red Bull develops their car in the Alps in Austria. You know, they're very good at altitude. They always have been. So it wasn't really a surprise that that they won the race. I think it was a surprise that Lewis did so well. Normally, yeah. normally it's a, it's a tough race for Mercedes. But the fact that he finished above Checo, yeah, I think it's very impressive. And and we <clears throat> harped on it a little bit before, but two straight second place finishes. The car seems to be turning around. Meanwhile, Ferrari looked awful. Yeah, they looked they, they horrible. Looked terrible. And maybe it was due to altitude, who knows, but they did not look great. Yeah. And I, I think it'll be really interesting to see how they finish the year because as we said, Mercedes is catching up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they need to definitely watch themselves um, and perform well for both the driver's standings and for the constructor standings for their yeah, sake. It could cost them a lot of money if mm -hmm. they end up losing second place. I don't remember how the, the bonus breakdown is, but, you know, obviously yeah. you get paid more for the higher you finish. And if they if they choke and lose second place, that's that's why I said I think it's it's often with Matias head if that's the case, because. They have had the potential, like you said, at the beginning of the year, it looked like they were in the running for the championship. And here we are talking about them finishing third. Yeah, there's no reason they shouldn't finish finish second. So mm -hmm. I think unless they have some sort of weird DNF issue or yeah. unfortunately get involved in some sort of crash, there's yep. no reason they shouldn't. Like yep. we said, it's a bit of a steep climb for mercedes to catch mm -hmm. them but with a bit of luck they yep. could so Absolutely. um we'll see how that plays out but yeah mexico was boring it the the beginning of the race was a bit exciting there was a bit of like place swapping happening um mm -hmm. george really took advantage of that good start he had um but unfortunately just the way it played out didn't play in his favor um but other than that and it, it just, it cracks me up too, because no matter where Perez finishes in a race, it's like he's won the race. Mm -hmm. Hey, a podium in, in his hometown. That's great. I know. I, I feel I, like I, everyone watches the Mexico GP solely just to like see maybe when the day happens that Sergio yeah. wins it. <laughs> it's it's got to be cool to win your home GP. But I think the one thing we should talk about with the Mexico Grand Prix was Danny Rick. Yes. He had... Well, after he punted Yuki off the track, he had a ridiculous race. Like where driver has, of the day. 
Yeah. Where Where has this Daniel Ricardo been all season? Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's confusing. Too Too little, too late. It's a shame because we all know what he's capable of. We've seen him with the crazy late breaking and overtaking. Um, But for some reason, he just decided, oh, now that I'm out of a seat for next year, pretty much, I'll just show my talents. And, you know, driver of the day ended up making up that 10 second penalty. Um, Crazy overtakes, had insane pace, and he was able to keep those soft tires alive. Yeah. As he was flying by Mm -hmm. everybody. And like you said, where has this Danny Rick been? Because F1 would be so much more entertaining if we had that Danny Rick every single race this year. Yeah. And I just, I I don't know. It was such a bittersweet moment for me. Like I was so happy to see how well he was doing and frankly, just like amazed Mm -hmm. (laughs) at how well he was doing. But then when it was all over, I was like, dude, like Mm -hmm. where has this been? Right. If you had done this a few races this year, even just a couple races, I think he'd still have a seat. Right. Maybe not at McLaren, but maybe elsewhere. Yeah. But because he's been so, he's been a ghost except for that race, you know, at the end of the day, there's rumors that he's going to be a reserve driver for Red Bull. Who knows what his future has, but I just yeah. wish we had this entertaining Danny Rick all, all year this year. He's just, he hasn't had it. Yeah, me too. I wish we had it. I Like I said, it was a bittersweet moment for me. Um, I'm just happy that he finished where he did and had the great performance he did minus like punting Yuki off the track, like you said, (laughs) but, um, I was like, is this all it takes for you to go fast? Like give you a time penalty in the race? Because right, right. obviously start every race with a 10 second time. Penalty, right. right? Cause <laughs> obviously like he definitely, once that happened, he was like, all right, I got to mm-hmm. go. Like, yep. Right. If I'm going to finish anywhere worth it, this race, I got to go now. Yep. And yep. I don't know if that played into it. If the, the pressure of him trying to get a seat has been lifted off of his shoulders and he's just now just racing to race, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but it was sad. And obviously it's really, I mean, there is literally almost 0% chance he will be in Formula One in a seat next year. Mm-hmm. Um, best case scenario, like you mentioned, there's rumors going around. He'll be a Red Bull or Mercedes reserve driver. He's voiced also that he does not want to go into another racing series Mm -hmm. um, and that if anything, if he doesn't get a seat, he'll be taking a break from Formula One. And if uh, opportunities present itself for 2024, that he will take it and come back with a vengeance is what he was quoted saying. So let's be real. What what openings are there going to be? Just okay. maybe Fernando (laughs) retires. Maybe. I mean, that guy's going to race till he's 100. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't see that happening, but you know, Piastri and Lando at McLaren, that's going to be their driver lineup for the next 10 years. It should be. I mean, those are two young, phenomenal drivers. McLaren's not going to have a seat open. Ferrari is not going to have a seat open. You know, maybe Lewis retires, but even if Lewis retires, I think they would probably get a better driver than Danny Rick in the Mercedes seat. And Lewis is not looking like Lewis is retiring. If you would have asked me last year, how long Lewis was going to be in formula one, I would have given it two years max. Yep. And honestly, I think the way his season went this year has lit a new fire inside mm-hmm. of him. And I could see him yep. being in formula one for the next five. I, I don't think he'll quit until either he gets his eighth championship and passes Schumacher 
or he gets booted because he is so old that he deteriorates and, you know, can't keep up. And God only knows when that's going to happen. I mean, he's what, 40 now? 39, no, he's 40, 38, whatever he is. 39 right now. Yeah. So he he's, he's the up last there. two races, you know, I mean, he showed that he still got it. So I, I agree with you. I don't think he's going to be done for a while. So I just, I going back to the Danny Rick thing, I don't see any openings. I don't yeah. see where he can fit in. Yeah, so, I agree. So he's he's got too much pride to join another racing series, but how long will that last until he's like, okay, now I have to, I, IndyCar would love him. I don't see why he wouldn't make that jump. But mm-hmm. He said he's scared of ovals. Okay, then don't <laughs> race in the ovals. I, there's there's uh, other F1 tri- I think Grosjean, his first year, said he won't race in the ovals. Yeah. So don't race in the ovals and do the other, <laughs> you know, where there's left and right turns. Yeah, we will see. It definitely, these last two races are going to be bittersweet for so many reasons, like Danny Rick, for example, um, but also Sebastian Vettel just so, being his last season. Yeah. Like, and ironically, in the standings right now, they're right next to each other. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh no, they're going to go out together like that. Like, <laughs> they are, um, I'm just looking right now. Sebastian's in 11th with 36 points, and Daniel's in 12th with 35. Oh. Sad that is, face. That, that's <laughs> kind of sad that I mean, the McLaren's a much better car than the Aston Martin. And right. that's sad that Seb has more points than him. Yeah. Lando's all the way up in seventh. So yeah. that's a big gap yeah. um, between your teammate and you. As, but, as sad as I am to see Danny Rick go, I'm excited to see Piastri in an F1 car. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's one of the few that's won F4, F3, F2 in successive years. It'll be really cool to see him driving next year. He's a a generational talent, much like Charles and George and Max. Yeah, we have a lot, I think, for one of the first times in the past couple of years, a lot of young talent that's been hyped Mm -hmm. um, that a lot of people have been waiting for um, to come into Formula One. Um, Like you said, Piastri, Nick DeVries has also been someone that Mm -hmm. a lot of people have been waiting for. Um, And the young talent who's looking like he will be taking this Williams seat, Logan Sargent, um, I don't think he's been as hyped as some of the other drivers that are entering Formula One, but I think um, he's just this huge new up and coming talent um, and he's American and that's going to be huge for the American market. Um, I may be cheering for Williams because like I want to cheer for an American F1 yeah. driver. So lots of exciting talent to come and it's exciting to think about, especially these cars like this, the first year with this new generation of car the second year, everyone's got it a little bit more under their belt now. Mm-hmm. And we could see like different innovations with these cars and new drivers like this. It's it's going to be exciting to think about. Yeah. I'm excited. And I'm glad you brought up Logan because even though the last two races in F1 are not really meaningful, you mm-hmm. know, Red Bull's already won the championship for drivers and constructors. Yeah, we did talk about, okay, the battle for second place and, you know, the battle for um drivers standings as well can things can shift a bit and but, constructor standings as well yeah yeah a few things sure but I, to me what i'm most excited for is the f2 race in abu dhabi because mm. logan the pressure's on logan he has to finish i think sixth or higher i am not positive exactly what it is in the standings in f2 to get the super license points so you know he's already got the pressure on him. he's got to prove right now he's in third um, and it's close. Dewan has been chasing him very well the last couple of races. 
and he's going to have to prove, Hey, I deserve this F1 seat, you know? Yeah. Uh, And like you said, to have an American in F1, when F1 is at its absolute peak, uh, in terms of popularity in the United States, Mm -hmm. that's going to be, it's going to be good, good news for the U S. Yeah, I agree. And it's just, Lots of exciting things to come. And let's not get ahead of ourselves. We've got two more races left in this season, but it's hard not to get excited when things are coming to a close. You're already thinking about next um, season. But speaking about looking into the future, the next race coming up is Brazil. Um, this is a big race that everyone loves, I think, just because especially the fans the Brazilian fans are such enthusiastic group. Um, Formula One just runs so deep in their blood there. Um, so it's an exciting race, an exciting track to go to with great fans. Um, but right now, the climate in Brazil, and I'm not talking about the weather. I'm talking about the civil unrest. <laughs> um, if you haven't been watching the news Uh, there has been an election that just happened recently in Brazil and it hasn't gone so well. Think like Trump-ish situations happening um, more around the sitting president. Is that what they call him? Brazil? The president is kind of like, I don't accept these results. Um, And there's been a lot of protests. He is really, really supported by the truckers union actually in Brazil. And they've been blocking main roads. And obviously to get the Formula One show to the track, roads are pretty important. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of people were speculating over the past couple of days if the GP would even happen. But it's happening. Let's be real. (laughs) Yeah, F1 will make sure that it's happening. And, And I have seen news reports in recent days that the things are, are calmed down a bit in Brazil. So um, I, I don't think there's any threat that this race isn't going to happen. It's that's a good thing because I love the track at Brazil. Such an exciting race. We have another sprint race, our last one of the season. Yes. Um, this was the epic race last year where Lewis overtook 25 people, mm-hmm. um, you know, started from the back, overtook a ton of people in sprint, had a five place, penalty overtook the rest of them and finished first i'm hoping we have as exciting of racing as we did last year but i don't think we will i think max is going to run away with this race again as he has the past nine races or whatever we're at now yeah i i think max will run away with this but that doesn't mean we won't have other exciting racing going on in the field like you said like we mentioned earlier there are a lot of drivers still need as many points as possible Mm -hmm. um because they're Mm -hmm. so close so i think we're gonna see some you know it's it not not all is lost like there are a lot of still other like little battles happening um charles and sergio for just example Mm -hmm. um and it's a fat, like you mentioned, fast track. There's a 71 laps, 15 corners. Um, and this is the sprint race. So that throws another kind of like ball into the field mm-hmm. as to how things could go. Um, you know, and anything you have to happen. wonder, you have to wonder since the championships already decided, at least mm-hmm. in terms of, of winners, but that the teams that are in second and third Ferrari and Mercedes, you normally, We've seen that sprint races have been a bit conservative and a little Mm -hmm. boring to watch, um, which is kind of not what F1 had anticipated when they introduced the sprint race. But I I wonder if this will be a little bit more of a risky 
operation for those teams that are battling for those precious points at the end here. Yeah. Ferrari and Mercedes. Um, and then I, you know, uh, McLaren and Alpine are, are battling close as well. Yes. You know, it'll um, be interesting to see if, if those teams kind of throw everything at, at the sprint race to try and get that better spot for the, for the future and grab those extra sprint race points. Yeah. That's a great point. Like you mentioned, there are, I kind of forgot about that until you mentioned it. There are points up for grabs mm-hmm. in the sprint race, which is huge. Um, and you did mention too, like Alpine is in fourth right now with 153 and then McLaren's in fifth behind them with 146. So there's still some room there. That's so close. Yeah. That's and, so close. And we know Alpine and McLaren have been fighting kind of all year for yeah. that spot. And that's important, especially when you're fighting for money, mm-hmm. wind tunnel time, like this type of stuff or like it's anything is you got to give it your all until the end um, with a lot of these teams, some other teams that are really close together, Alfa Romeo in sixth, Aston Martin in seventh, Alfa has 53, Aston has 49. And then Haas and Alfa Tauri are only one point yeah. between the two of them. Um, Haas in eighth, Alfa in ninth. And for Alfa Tauri, that's horrible. They're behind Haas. Yikes. Yeah. Um, yeah, they've had a rough great. car this year. I, I yeah. felt bad for, for Pierre and Yuki. Um, Yuki, some of his issues have been kind of self-imposed, but uh, especially Pierre, we know how good of a driver Pierre is. And, and I'm sure we're all excited to see him racing the Alpine next year, but yeah, you're right. It, it's, it's been a tough year for Alpha Tauri, but Hey, like you said, two races left in the sprint race, they, they can, they can make up. Uh, you know, all they have to do, like you said, score one point and they're tied with Haas. Yeah. You know, just, just a couple of points finishes and they can finish ahead and get that extra bonus money. Yeah, absolutely. So let's give our podium predictions for Brazil. Matt, mm-hmm. you go first. Who do you think is going to be on the podium? I think it's going to be Max by a mile in first. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to be Checo in second. And I do think the Ferraris will have the... Mercedes beat at this track. So I'll say Charles in third. Okay. Nice. But I do think uh, Lewis and George will be pretty close behind. Yeah, I think so too. My predictions are going to be Max as well, running away with it in first. I'm going to say Charles in second, and I'm going to say Sergio in third. So, so. we got the same people, just in a different order. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's just my hopeful thinking. <laughs> I may not be thinking mm-hmm. rational here. Um, besides the max winning part. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. I think we're going to see some heavy, hard battling between Perez and Charles, which I think could make for an interesting race. So yeah, yeah. Um, we will see what happens there. And I look forward to watching a race because <laughs> I haven't races. watched one. Yeah, that's two true. I get two up. races. To, <laughs> we get two races to make up for the two we missed. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. We're going to wrap things up today with today's episode. So obviously we've been mentioning it a couple of times in the podcast today, but how close some of these guys are in the driver standings with points. So I think it's only makes sense for us to give our top five final who we think is going to end up one through five at the end of the year, because things are so stinking close. Um, Matt, would you like to start us off with your predictions? So go down your list sure. and then we can argue about why you put who, where you put. <laughs> I, I think the main story of this is like, who is going to be that sixth person that's left out, right? Because mm-hmm. the top three teams are in a national on of their own and each team has two guys. So 
So who of those six drivers is going to be the one left out? And in my opinion, I think currently right now it's Carlos Sainz, and I think it's going to stay that way. I think he's going to finish sixth, which is a shame because, you know, like, like we said earlier, that car was way better than the Mercedes at the beginning of the year. He's had a ton of bad luck with DNFs. I remember plant explosion at Austria <laughs> when his car caught on fire. Um, it, that, it's a tough thing to swallow for him because he's had a good year. He's driven well. He's had a few mistakes, but I, I do think he'll finish sixth. But <clears throat> anyway, first place, obviously, Max. He's already clinched that. Yeah. Um, I do think Checo is going to hang on to second place just because the Red Bull is better. Um, I think Charles is the better driver, and I don't really know anyone who would argue that as much as I love Checo. I think Charles is pretty clearly the better driver. Um, okay, but I'm going so... to say Charles in third, obviously. Okay. Um, the last two, obviously the two Merck drivers, I I still don't know. It's it's a tight battle. I think George has Lewis beat by 15 as of right now or something like that. Um, yeah, currently um, George is at 231 and Lewis is at 216. So 15 points. Mm-hmm. With, with Lewis's last two races, he has looked the better driver. Um, mm-hmm. And he probably is the better driver, but George just had a better handle of the car early on in the season. Now, we do have three races left since there's a sprint and the two final races. So right. can Lewis make up those 15 points? That sprint I, plays a big it does. role in it. It does. If Lewis can do well in the sprint, and, and all it takes is one DNF from George, and you know, and now it's it's a battle. Um, at the end of the day, I think 15 points is too hard to overcome in the last three races. So I'm gonna say George coming in fourth and Lewis in fifth. But I think okay. it's gonna be I think it's gonna be tight. I'll bet you they finish the year six, seven points apart, not even. Yeah, and I I think this is what's going to make these last two races interesting. Is there the top five, top six, even actually technically are mm-hmm. so close mm-hmm. that these points do still matter. Yes, the championship is wrapped up. It's Max taking the win. But like these guys, yeah, like they are rights for position. They, yeah. Yeah. And they are competitors. They're not just going to mm-hmm. stop driving mm-hmm. because Max won. They still are fighting for very crucial positions. And it that's what I think is going to make these last two races, races interesting. So our top five are similar, <laughs> um, but not the same, but close. So obviously Max first, I have Charles in second. Can't say um, I'm surprised. I know. It, again, hopeful thinking, <laughs> but I think he's going to pull it off. I Gross. really think he is. Yeah. Um, I love Sergio, but he's not the most consistent driver on the face of the planet. And he's had two decent races. Um, in Austin and Mexico. So, <laughs> so I think, by the law of odds, you think he's going to have two yes. bad races? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I just like, he's just not the most consistent driver on the face of the planet. That mm-hmm. That's why I say that. And mm-hmm. I think Charles can, Charles is an amazing driver. And I agree with you in the fact that he's a better driver than Checo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he'll be even motivated, more motivated the way his season started. He's not going to want to end it yeah. on a bad note. So yeah. I have Charles in second, Sergio in third. They're obviously so close together. I think it would, he'd have to like DNF. 
both both races not to finish anywhere near him and then i have george also in fourth and lewis in fifth i agree with you i think it's just too big of a gap (laughs) and just seeing how consistent george has been and how lewis hasn't had that consistency consistency with that car throughout this year i think that gives george the upper hand um He's just better acquainted with the car. He's been better acquainted with that car longer than Lewis has. And the fact that Lewis has kind of only showed up in the last four-ish races or so, Mm -hmm. um, I just think it's too big of a gap for him to kind of come up with now. But we are talking about Lewis Hamilton here. He performs very well under pressure. So Mm -hmm. um, we will see. And I'm sure in the back of his mind, he doesn't want his little rookie teammate outscoring him. (laughs) So... That could be interesting. It is sad, though, that we both think that Carlos isn't in that mix. <clears throat> like we said at the beginning of the year, that yeah. Ferrari was, was the better car, but somehow he's going to finish behind both Mercs. I mean, I, he, I, you know, it's a shame. Yeah, and I mean, he did not have a good beginning to this season. A combination of things he couldn't control, like DNFs and the reliability issues, mm-hmm. but he really struggled driving that car just in general i remember in the beginning of the season him just constantly like spinning out Mm -hmm. like not being able to control the car he seemed to really have difficulty getting it to stick (laughs) well just compared to charles who was winning races early yes right you know and Mm -hmm. and him and max were kind of the two horse race and carlos was way behind you know we we kind of expected that with checo no offense to him but max is is a significantly better driver but i think you know, Carlos last year showed he can keep up. And then all of a sudden, at the beginning of the year, it looked like, whoa, Charles is destroying him. And yeah. it, like you said, that it's going to cost him. He's he's not going to finish. He probably won't finish in the top five because of, because of his struggles early on. Yeah. And I think if he were performing like Charles in the beginning of the season, we could have seen him in third. Yeah. So yeah. it is sad to say he's not even in the contention. Not saying he couldn't get overtake Lewis. This is formula sure. one. Yep. You never know what will happen. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not out of the cards for him to be in the top five, but it's, it's looking a little bleak. Um, but we will definitely reevaluate this top five. I have it written down. We've got <laughs> it down. Um, we'll reevaluate the top five in the last race of the year. Crazy to think we only have two races left. It makes me sad. Um, but we definitely are going to plan some off-season content for you guys. Uh, we're not going away. So um, we'll keep you in the F1 loop even when there are no races happening. All right. To finish it off, like we always do almost every episode, <laughs> we need to be a little bit more consistent. Um, we have meme of the week. If you are yes. watching us on YouTube, which by the way, all of our episodes are on YouTube. Well, not all of them. This episode is on YouTube. Go check us out at Mr. and Mrs. F1 Pod on YouTube. You can watch this and you can see the reveal of the meme live. That's so, right. Go on Twitter, take a look at the meme. We'll tweet it out. But um, on our YouTube video, we'll have a, a little picture of the meme in the corner. Um, yes. So take it away, Matt. Sure. The meme is Mick Schumacher crying face <laughs> and uh the, the message is me- <clears throat> the message is your face when your career gets ended in favor of some 35 year old guy who's never had a podium finish <laughs> so and it has kind of been rumored that nico is is almost guaranteed in that seat which 
should make for entertainment, entertaining TV, because we know Magnuson and Hulkenberg aren't the best of friends. But it is a good point that Schumacher, you know, who seemed to be stubborn and didn't want to re-sign with Haas, he's not going to have a seat now. Well, it's you know? not confirmed. You're right. Yet. It's not confirmed. But it, has not it been seems confirmed. like he's going to, yeah, he's talking himself out of an F1 seat. Yeah, which is insane. Um, but yeah, we will, you can see that on YouTube. We will put it on our social media as well. To, so check it out. Um, our meme of the week. Now, last but not least, my admin award. I usually give these awards to teams, but the savagery that's been coming out of Lewis Hamilton's account recently is, I cannot deny it and I cannot ignore it. So my admin of the week goes to Lewis Hamilton and his PR team. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, If you haven't been seeing, Alonzo has been throwing all the shade at Lewis Hamilton Basically, I mean, typical Alonzo stuff, like basically saying Lewis Hamilton doesn't really deserve his championship wins. It wasn't that hard because the only one he had to compete against was his uh, teammate. And in pure classy Lewis Hamilton fashion, he responded in like the best way possible, but also the most savage way possible, if that's even a thing. Um The quote came out about Alonzo basically saying Lewis, he, Alonzo said he has more respect for Max, basically Max's um, wins and that Lewis's wins weren't that hard. And Lewis tweeted this. It's beautiful. He tweeted a picture, obviously when he was on the same team as Alonzo, they're on the podium. Lewis is in first. Alonzo looks to be in third place and Lewis's arm is just on Alonzo. Like, giving him this pat on the back like it's okay buddy and that's all he that's all he tweeted and i was like i am here for this lewis hamilton (laughs) i don't understand people who say that alonzo is such a great driver and and he is a good driver but lewis chased him out of mclaren by being better than him so i don't understand the people who are like alonzo's such a better driver it's like well no they were teammates, and Lewis was so much better than him that he basically left McLaren. Right, because he couldn't so, handle. Yeah, he couldn't handle having a teammate who's better than him. Yes. No offense to Alonso. I think he's a good driver, but I never understood the people who can claim that Alonso is a better driver. than, and, and a guy who has two championships telling someone who has seven championships that, you know, he didn't earn them or, or however he phrased it, whatever it was. Yeah. It's like, man... I uh, I just don't get it. I, I think he's trying to poke a bear or something like that. Yes, but I agree. I think that feud is very one-sided. <laughs> it is, because earlier this year, Lewis said that one of the hardest people he's ever raced was Alonzo. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the... So Lewis is willing to give him the, the credit that Alonzo deserves because he's a great driver. But, I mean... I think that at the end of Lewis's career, I think he'll rethink that and say that Max was the better or Nico Rosberg because Nico beat him. You know, Mm -hmm. I I just, I don't think, I think it's kind of funny that Alonso's kind of throwing stones, even though he. He's like the Christian Horner of the (laughs) drivers. Like I, I, like, I agree with you. I think Alonso is a great driver. There's no denying he's, he's up there. Um, mm-hmm. but 
he is just such a little baby. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this, you are literally still stuck on something that happened so long ago now 14 years ago right and like you're like this little curmudgeonly old man that just like can't get over the young whippersnapper that came into your team and <laughs> took it from you like that that's literally how i feel and i have heard um from people not directly but i've heard people who work in formula one saying that working for alonzo or with him is not an easy thing mm. um and for multiple reasons so i think he's a bit of a drama queen and i think he's just like still scarred from his McLaren yeah. days and he needs to get better that he doesn't have another five right. championships like Lewis. Yeah. And I think he's just like literally staying in formula one to annoy Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> like, and take away a seat from a younger driver. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'll hang around a bit more. Why not? <laughs> so, well, anyways, everyone, thank you again for being patient with us while we went through our hiatus. Make sure to follow us on all social media, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram at Mr. And A-N-D, Mrs. F1 Pod. Um, you can catch up with all of our fun news and banter there. Um, we're on YouTube as well. And what else? Did I miss anything? <laughs> uh, like, comment, subscribe, retweet. Right. Yes. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. Um, we'd much appreciate it. And we will see you next episode to talk more about the Brazilian Grand Prix. Sounds good. All right. Bye-bye, Mr. F1. Bye, Mrs. F1. Bye.